Welcome to the Powered by Age, Age-Friendly City Zoomcast, reality-style podcast. We are movers and shakers, shaking up the old notion of silent, helpless, invisible seniors. This is a new series of podcasts funded by the City of Vancouver and the 411 Senior Center Society. As PBA AFC ambassadors, we raise awareness, share our original stories and poems, inform, advocate, and involve seniors in discussing important social issues. In short, these podcasts will help us, you, in creating an age-friendly city for Vancouver today, tomorrow the world. You can hear us everywhere podcasts are heard. Hello, this is Charlotte Frail, coordinator for the Powered by Age, Age-Friendly City podcast program. Today, I'm hosting and facilitating what's going to be a lively discussion on debunking myths about aging, a study done by Professor of Public Health and Psychology, Becca Levy, Dr. Becca, found that when you believe in myths about aging, like uselessness, helplessness, it can in fact have a negative impact on your longevity. But when you replace those negative stereotypes with positive perceptions like wisdom, self-realization, it can result in a nearly eight-year increase. So today, we're giving away years as we discuss this topic. We are having an interesting topic because I learned that with debunking myths can actually put eight more years on your life, according to some, some research that was done by a public health unit. But we're going to be talking about myths about aging and debunking those myths. But we'll start with our introductions that we usually do. I'm Charlotte Farrell. I'm a poet, writer, and host of this particular program. And we'll start with uh, each person saying, their 15 seconds of frame intro. Let's start with uh, Neil. Yeah, good day. Uh, my name's Neil Ryan. I'm a writer, a poet, uh, a uh, publisher of my book. It went to the printer yesterday, or uh, Tuesday. And yes, yes, yes. This is the latest version and the last iteration of this book from the other side and so from uh, the other side dot ca which i am reading right now yes <laughs> oh really good mm-hmm. and i've been sharing some poems with the 7 a.m group that i mentioned leslie yes i'm leslie hebert from new westminster i am a teacher of english as a second language and a writer and currently working on a travel memoir uh, of a trip i took to japan a few years ago well speaking of places to go (laughs) we're planning our trip Uh, chris i'm chris morrissey and I'm a feminist, lesbian feminist, and I participate at Britannia Senior Center. And I'm also with Quirky the Queer Imaging and Writing Collective for Elders. And I'm working on a memoir as well. Not a trouble one. (laughs) (laughs) Judith? Hi, I'm Judith Rainey, and I'm a member of 411 Senior Society and South Granville Senior Society and the podcast group. And I am here to support all of our members and encourage us to carry on. Okay. Joel? 
I'm Joel Flynn from the Podstream Podcasting Studio at the second floor of 323 Terminal Lab. Writing a PhD, apparently. <laughs> That's a lot of fun and going back into that type of writing. Uh, and uh, yeah, love to sing karaoke, but I can't do that these days. So I got to do a PhD instead. Well, you have to figure out for us how, you know, you see some of these Zooms and people are all singing the same songs. You have to figure out how to program it so we can do that. <laughs> yeah, we tried that with our new Westminster singing group, but we were all out of sync, so I, it didn't seem to work so well. <laughs> yeah, technology can fail, and those are the ones where it really, it's, the promise is there, and then you go to do it, and it's like, oh, it doesn't work. Yeah, you got a 30-second time lag, you know, and it throws everybody out. Right. If you have like a half a second time lag yeah. in a studio <laughs> yeah. with the musicians there, it'll screw you up. So. Hmm. Oh, Robin? Yeah, hi. Robin Erickson is my name. I am a fundraiser this week, <laughs> primarily, because our radio station that I, that I work at is in our annual funding campaign. So that is top of my mind. Outside of that, I'm an arts facilitator and just trying to deal with the gray weather these days. Yes. And today, Robin's going to be helping with our facilitating this conversation we're going to have about debunking myths of, of aging. And I found that there is a study by Yale University Public Health that says that believing in myths about aging, useless and negative ones, can have a negative impact on your longevity. But when you replace them, they have found as a result in a nearly eight-year increase in average lifespan. So who would like to get some years of increase? <laughs> so, Robin, you mentioned something that you came across about debunking aging myths. Yeah. Yesterday I came across an article, and it was very timely that Charlotte was telling me that this is what we were going to be talking about today because the title of the article is called This Scientist Believes Aging is Optional. And a scientist whose name is David Sinclair, and he is a Harvard professor who made Time Magazine's list of 100 of the most influential people in the world in 2014 and one of the world's leading scientists in the field of aging. And he believes that aging is a disease and that it needs a cure and that we in fact don't just age, that it is a metabolic process that we can intercept and, and interrupt, and that we're in charge of that, that we're enabled to, to do that if we know the right way to, to go about things. So anyhow, I just thought it was curious. He points to the Japanese woman whose name is Kane Tanaka, who is 
the oldest known living person at 116 years old. And Sinclair believes that she's just middle-aged in the grand scope of things. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I read that article too, Robin, and there were a couple of items in there that I found interesting that he said you can reset your aging clock through fasting, through exposing yourself to cold, and through hard work. Yeah. I wondered here in the mainland, British Columbia, where it doesn't really get that cold, Mm. how we might do that. But, you know, it's interesting There was an old fellow that I met on Gabriola Island maybe 10 years ago who honestly looked like he was about 55 years old, Mm -hmm. and I think he was about 87. But he swam every single day of his life across Gabriola Island to Mudge Island, which is a 20-minute rowboat ride. Wow. He was, and it didn't matter the weather, it just didn't matter. He swam. Mm. And, you know, if you've been in the ocean, even in the summertime, it's bloody cold. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I think that, you know, not only that exercise, but, you know, maybe that exposure to cold Mm. um, and cold like that really does have some wit a bearing to it. Mm-hmm. Well, those are hard words for me to hear. I wonder if it's retroactive because I lived in the tropics for a number of years. So <laughs> I'm afraid that it was not at all cold. Even the water wasn't cold. Mm, right. <laughs> and uh, I'm not much of a swimmer. So I think I'll have to go and find one of those walk in, walk in freezer refrigerator that they have in stores (laughs) but i think the heat and and you know the the extreme cold is just on one end of temperature but you know there's also something about extreme heat and the health benefits that just sweating like mad whether that's in a sauna or you know steam rooms and lots of cultures in cold places have practices where they would steam and so i wonder in places like the tropics chris if the ability for our body's pores to just be so open and all of that metabolic waste can can sort of sweat out of us that it doesn't create its own health benefits for for some kind of longevity yeah i know i know that when i lived there i i in order to because i was teaching in order to manage i had to have four showers a day it's the only way that i could manage right (laughs) because it was so hot and the country i was in was just a few degrees off the equator so Mm. And it was at sea level, it was an island, so it was at sea level. <laughs> so it was bloody hot. And then, I know this isn't quite the topic, but then at some point I came back from the east to visit my parents just before Christmas in Prince George. 
And I had something like a 50 degree difference in temperature mm. from the time I got on the plane to the time I got off the plane in Prince George. And I kept going around turning up the thermostat. My dad kept going around turning up the thermostat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that temperature differential can also shock our system into things, right? Because I know, like, the theory behind the sauna, you read about these, I think it's the Swedes or the Finns or yeah. somebody, they, they plunge into the icy pool and then they go into the sauna and yeah. sweat. Yeah. I thought it was the other way around. But oh, whatever way. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, because they probably do it over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the thought of going from hot to cold and just being very cold makes me it almost scares me to death because <laughs> I was brought up in Kansas. I don't know whether it's a Kansas thought or whether it's black people in Kansas, but we were brought up to not let not get in drafts. There's this whole thing about drafts that you could die from a draft of cold air in the winter. Oh. And so when I went I went to Kansas State with my best friend from high school and they were doing this experiment where they put two black people that had never lived with white people in a room with two white people that never lived with black people they put the four of us in this room and there was a calamity because at night their belief is you open the window so air can circulate through january air circling circulating through a window we believe you will die you will get pneumonia <laughs> and so <laughs> my friend was about five eight and she slept on the top bunk and one night i heard her jump straight from the top <laughs> hit the floor and she slammed the, the window like somebody slamming a dunking a ball it rattled and i thought oh my god it's gonna <laughs> break and we're gonna freeze but we we had a lot of you know talk about just differences in what you believe what you believe about weather also affects mm -hmm. you know how your body responds to it mm -hmm. in the lumber camp the swedes and the finlanders they would have the sauna and then go lay in the snow yeah they would roll in the snow and and i thought they were nuts but maybe they'll live forever <laughs> I have a thing that I'd like to share, and that is that I am working on issues that basically go back to the Buddha's saying, and that is that all that you are arises with your thoughts, with your thoughts you make the world. And so how do I deal with the physical information that I am getting older and everybody would say, well, you don't look a day over 75, you know, it's, uh, in February, I'll be 81, assuming I get to 81, assuming I get to February. And when I had cancer 15 years ago, I declined to do the chemo, but I, I went to what is now called Inspire Health. And the doctor, Janice Wright, gave me a book called The Biology of Belief, which is Bruce Lipton. So I deal with this thing that says, yes, I'm getting older, but what are my beliefs about getting older? And how much do those beliefs influence my body and how my body, you know, if I believe my brother died 
two years ago. He lived to be 90. His daughter once said to me, I don't know why he died because he was so full of life. Yeah, he was also full of martinis and, and everything else that you could uh, say influence the aging of his bodies. <laughs> so that's my dilemma right now. And, and uh, I just sent Charlotte a copy of an item that I wrote that I I wrote it for cancer patients because I was teaching cancer patients how to do the tapping, the EFT tapping. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote them a contract and asked them, and I don't want to take up a lot of time, but my ex-wife and I, every year, we wrote a contract to be together for just for 12 months, stay together, work on whatever issues there were. And within 14, 15 months from when we quit doing the contract, we split. Contract worked really, really well. It gave us a forum where we could talk about. So here's my, my latest version, my latest issue. And I don't know if we can read it or not, but it, this one is called... My perfect abundance. Oh, there, there's uh, Charlotte's got up the my perfect health. <laughs> so I have something I want to do next year. I need to improve my financial situation in order to do it. And so I just wrote my perfect abundance contract. That uh, and I'm happy happy to share it with anybody. Once once I get it finished, it's in final edit right now but here's the thing about it is is that it says i will do whatever is necessary to support my efforts to increase my revenue and i did this because uh, my book went to the publisher but you know the my perfect relationship contract worked like a hot damn until we stopped doing it and the contract that Charlotte has with my perfect health contract, it basically says I'll do whatever is necessary in order to give myself support to complete this contract. So I'd be happy to share it with you. But I just wanted to say, Robin, I owe you an apology that I was supposed to say to you What's the last time that we did a, a thing? I gave you a laundry list. I didn't really, really touch the spirituality of getting older that I had sort of promised you. Because when I look at getting older, is that I've decided what life is about is about losses. We're constantly losing friends. We lose our parents. We lose our childhood. We lose our innocence. We lose, we're constantly facing new issues. And I didn't have the courage to say to you, hey, getting older can sometimes be stressful. You think? <laughs> so for my, sure. My, my uh, apologies <laughs> for not tackling. I, I chickened out. I really, I gave you a laundry list about I did this, I did that, yada, yada, yada. But uh, I want to share something that comes to my my mind about what you're saying, Neil, in terms of loss, because 
absolutely. I think, you know, every day that goes by has the potential for us to lose some kind of innocence, right? We gain experience and then all of a sudden we have that to kind of bank on in a way. And I did some clowning a couple of years ago. And one of the things that just is so sticky to me about clowning and part of what I think is the hardest thing about the art form is that it seeks to put innocence before experience. And that is the thing that creates the magic in clowning and the vulnerability of it and the daring of it and the universality of it. And I think about that so often in my life is how do we do that? Because ultimately innocence is so generative, right? Like it has so much possibility and so much opportunity to it and experience kind of just like slams the door down, you know, and limits us from seeing those possibilities and having the wonder that we often attribute to little people, to young people, you know, and it's kind of attitudinal, which, you know, both uh, Charlotte and Neil, you spoke of, you know, it's like, how do we believe beyond our experience? Yeah. You know? And it gets trickier the older we get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think you notice a tendency. I mean, you know people are getting old when their thought processes change, right? They become much more closed-minded. Don't, yeah, I don't have to. Don't have to become more closed-minded. No, but you know, this is how I've noticed with people that the people that strike me as old. Yeah. I mean, Neil, you're a young soul. I'm sure you are. People that strike me as old are people that have closed up. Yeah. You know, and they're they're encased in these shoulds all the time. I have so many people in my circle that say, you know, you should retire. You should do this. You should slow down. You shouldn't be doing this. You're too old for this, right? Yes. And those are the people that are actually aging. Yeah. The myth that I was going to bring today was the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how that kind of in many people's minds that, you know, as you get older, you can't learn new things, which is totally not true. I mean, look at all of us with all of this zooming that we're doing these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had to learn how to do something new that was totally outside of our past. And we all did. I mean, people who were 20 had to learn to do it, as well as people who were 80 had to learn to do it, because it wasn't something that was at least part of most people's, ordinary people's experience in life. So I think there is that sort of goes along with what you were saying, Leslie, that when there is that closed mindedness, then it is difficult to learn. New, I mean, you can't learn new things. If you think you can't learn new things, mm-hmm, exactly, then, then you can't. <laughs> I was thinking the other day that I might go to this Babel thing and try and learn French. <laughs> Me too. 
<laughs> because I can speak English, I can speak Spanish, but I'm Canadian. And I, I took four year, five years of French in school many, many years ago, but I can't. Oh, I can say a few words. My favorite word is parapluie. Uh-huh. That's yeah. a lovely word. <laughs> and in Spanish, it's paraguas, which is exactly the same. Agua is water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yes. Yeah, so I think the whole notion that, and I, I agree with you. I mean, the other day I was listening to something on one of the books I'm reading and I was hearing them talking about something about how you dress and whether you dress your age or whatever. And I thought, well, what the fuck? I don't even know what that means. What does it mean these days to dress your age? Quite honestly, I don't dress any differently now than I did when I was 30. <laughs> the sizes change, but nothing else has changed, right? It's the same t-shirts and jeans and sweatshirts. And for me, it's about comfort. I don't really care what's appropriate for my age. Mm. In fact, I hate the things that are <laughs> supposedly appropriate for my age. Well, I think people that are fashion conscious when they're young and they wear like painfully tight, well, you know, women that wear painfully tight, high heeled shoes, you oh, yeah. know, find that, you know, all of a sudden they can't wear them anymore because it's so physically uncomfortable. I think that's part of dressing for age. It is dressing for comfort. I know I dress much more for comfort now than I used to. Yeah. Well, I have to confess that I only wore high heels once in my life, and I think I was about 16. Mm. I've never worn them since. Yeah. Well, I was very tall, but working offices, I was expected to wear, you know, like suits and things, but I only wore like the very small, like one inch heels. Oh, yeah. Never did those stilettos. I think they were, oh. they were cruel punishment even back then. Yeah. <laughs> They're designed by men. <laughs> to make women's legs look better so that men can enjoy the legs. <laughs> also, heels make the buttocks tip upward. It gives a different... Oh, oh, oh that's something new I learned <laughs> today. strategy for heels. I, I, I argued with a guy who was majoring in fashion, and he wanted to make heels, and I said, well... You would make a fortune if you would make beautiful shoes, but with a one-inch heel. Because, one, as people get older, they can't take, you know, you're already having problems from having one worn stilettos or too tight or too narrow shoes. But people who really like shoes would pay a lot if you'd make these shoes with a one-inch <laughs> heel. Well, he didn't do it. But I think that that's, a, that's an area we can learn how to make shoes. <laughs> Um, Judith was waving. Did you have a comment you wanted to make? Oh, yes. I I wanted to. Can I read a little excerpt from um, John Milton, Paradise Lost? It pertains to what we've been talking about. Sure. Okay. So this is um, page 12 of book one, and it's Satan. Um, be it so, since he who now is sovereign can dispose and bid what shall be right. Farthest from him is best, whom reason, reason hath equaled. Force has made supreme above his equals. Farewell, happy fields, where joy forever dwells. Hail, horrors, hail, infernal world, and thou profoundest hell. Receive thy new possessor, one who brings a mind not to be changed by place or time. The mind is its own place, and in itself can make a heaven of hell and a hell 
of heaven. So I thought that it was really interesting that, that it's very much mind of mm-hmm. the negative, that it's a mind that can't be changed by place or time. So um, that would be thinking of aging as not changing. Mm. That's my interpretation. Sorry. And I thought that the mind can, is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. But that's like Viktor Frankl saying, do you, do you know his quote? Frankl? <laughs> Viktor Frankl? Oh, I'm sorry. He was a therapist in a Nazi concentration camp. Yeah. And he echoed that thought. Then thinking makes itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, how do people survive some very difficult, difficult situations? And right. I mean, there, there is that saying mind over matter. And while I don't subscribe to it wholly, because there are some physical, physiological things that at least I haven't read these books, so I don't know how to figure this out. But certainly there is a, a, a certainly that that the, there is that uh, a mentality. It's it's like we've been saying all along, right? It's yeah. so how how we perceive ourselves and what we think is possible that we can do, and that we do what we think is possible, even right. if other people tell us that we can't. <laughs> Those are the myths. Well, others have an influence. I have to keep reminding Michelle I'm not old, uh, which is, uh, you know, she's quite a bit younger than myself. And she signed up this morning to the to the Tokyo Marathon next uh, March. It's going to be run virtually, but it's, um, you know, I offered to carry her suitcase. And she said, we're not we're not going (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but I have to keep reminding her, hey, I can do anything that I choose to do, uh, including um, it's a couple of years since I did the grouse grind, but uh, I think I could do it again. Uh, it may take me three hours or four. It took me three hours last time. It may take me three and a half hours this time. So in case we don't know what that is, that's the climb from the top of the roadway up to the, to uh, the top of Gross Mountain, and it's a it's three thousand steps, and I got to do it next spring. That's for sure. Yeah, well, Neil goes off on on walks and ends up climbing mountains of mud yeah. and goes on hikes where they run into a, a rock fall. He was talking about something he and Michelle did, and he said we had a rock fall. And then I thought, rock, is that like waterfall? Does it mean that they were walking on rocks that <laughs> could be spilling that, over somewhere? That was uh, at Kimberly, B.C. on the uh, – on. The, uh, that was actually Michelle's birthday, but uh, we, we went for a nine-kilometer walk, and – to a lake and uh, by the time I was coming back I was beginning to run out of steam and we came to a rock fall we had done it on the way there but I still had lots of energy and, and on the way back I didn't have quite the reserves that I 
So I read my poem all the way along about it's only a step, just one step, because it was about, I'm guessing it was probably a six or eight story building to the bottom of the rockfall and about another five or six story. And it was that kind of degree, you know, it's like, and, and they had made a pathway along the rockfall. And it was a, a million, I don't know how many, but they were all the size of about a loaf of bread. They were about that big. And uh, it was scary, that's for sure. And it was about a half a kilometer long from where it started to where it ended. And hey, you got to do what you got to do. And I had to go to this lake. I promised Michelle we would do the 9K hike. Hey. I think that that relates to changing your mind because I, I would have looked at it and said, you're crazy. <laughs> and look, look for another route. But yes, your, your mind being young enough to just say, accept the risk of going or the belief that you were going to get uh, to the other side. Well, you well, found well, that quote. What, what was the quote that you found? You were looking up, you gave the link for it. Yeah, so it's uh, the pursuit of happiness undermines happiness. Oh. Yeah. Is that the one? Sure. It's in Man's Search for Meaning. Man's Search for Meaning, yes. Man's for that, uh, uh, I read that book. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. Frankel. Victor Frankel. Victor Frankel, yes. Huh? Read that book a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I was looking for it and couldn't find it just now. Sorry. I, I went looking yes, for quotes. <laughs> and I underlined <laughs> the quote by looking for quotes. <laughs> yes, I, I found Viktor Frankl quotes. Hmm. <laughs> Those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. Hmm. I remember that one, yeah. Yeah. An abnormal reaction to an abnormal situation is normal behavior. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking at the short ones. Mm -hmm. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Mm -hmm. Anyway. I'd like to give you a quote. It's on the bottom of my um, perfect abundance contract. And that is, is that starting over, changing one's beliefs is a bold endeavor. Indeed, there is no greater adventure. That's from Jane Roberts. And the book was uh, Seth, The Way Towards Health. And she was... Um, I think uh, a psychic or whatever that she channeled Seth, the character, and I really like this. Starting over, changing one's belief is a bold adventure, a bold endeavor. Indeed, there is no greater adventure. And Robin, that's kind of really the same theme that you're looking at, and that is just changing our behaves beliefs. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, but it's probably the hardest thing. 
that we try to do, right? Um, that, that and learning to love yourself unconditionally. Well, I think that's part of the belief system that we yeah. that we uh, that we fall into as as humans in these bodies. One of the things that that uh, occurred to me through some of those quotes. Uh, but also something else. I think that that Judith said maybe. Anyways, is this idea of expectation? You know, because I think sometimes myths, and especially myths around aging, they're born out of these constructed expectations that you know when you hit a certain point in your life, you are or ABC or XYZ, you know, you are a grandmother or, you know, you are retired. Leslie, you brought that <laughs> to the table, you know, like you're this age, you should be this thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and wrestling out uh, not only for, for, for personal reasons, but within the community and within our families and and within the broader society, how we reckon with these expectations of of hitting these sort of benchmark places that we haven't achieved what that what their goal is for us <laughs> almost you know. So these are you know they're social constructs you know they're. they're, they're Mm-hmm. You know, benchmarks that society imposes on us. And, you know, in other societies, they don't have a concept of retirement. You just live. Mm. You know, you live and you take part in society, just basically and make a contribution for as long as you can in whatever way that you can. Yeah, it, looking at these top eight myths about aging, they indicate reasons why we have to continue to push to be on boards that make decisions about things because the fourth one is as you age, your ability to learn often stops. So if somebody has that in their head, they're likely not to want to hire somebody to be on a project that has a lot of research or a lot of technology. Mm -hmm. But according to the Harvard Medical School, while learning patterns may change and the speed of learning may diminish, your basic capacity to learn remains. In fact, as we age, the branching of the brain's nerve cells increase and connections between distant brain areas strengthen. So it makes it easier to detect relationships between diverse sources of information and understand the global implications. I was connected to an article that someone wrote about uh, the differences, what's is going to happen with younger people who do multitasking or anybody that gets buys into that, you you need to be multitasking because there are patterns in the brain or regions of the brain Mm -hmm. that are meant to consider. And so people who are constantly bypassing that region, when they reach our age, they will not be able to make those kinds of of differentiations and make you know, types of contrast. So <laughs> if you follow along with their theory is the best thing that you could do if you do work that reads a lot of reasoning is have older people who have a lot of information and who through life have had to make decisions, weigh and think about different outcomes rather than just jumping around you know, at a lot of, of different things. 
Yeah, that that certainly is is kind of my personal experience, and and I I don't know whether it's because I was a I've always been able to do this, but I've I've been able to think outside the box, mm-hmm. and to be able to see possibilities, or to respond spontaneously to situations. <clears throat> the other day, I had I sent a I sent a a Slack message. I, I'm a volunteer, but this is a staff person who's a hell of a lot younger than me. And I ended up sending her a, um, a message on Slack, one more of those things I've had to learn, um, <laughs> to, 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 to suggest that, you know, it is important to take into consideration the, the immediate what's happening rather than just going through the checklist mm-hmm. and following one step after the other, after the other, because the checklists don't work in every situation. And so I said, you know, there has to be, and I think this is part of what you're saying is that we have gathered a lot of experience and we've learned how to, how to um, respond and react and, and, uh, think think more spontaneously and also have ideas that go beyond the walls and the the sides of the box that are that are put up for us and that and and that 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 includes the whole process of aging right i mean people really do want to box us put us into boxes mm. and uh I'm sorry, but here we are in the Zoom in a bunch of boxes. It's like it's like we're in a box. It's like somebody decided that there's a best before date, and we've passed it. <laughs> yes, right. I think you're right. I love that. Which is the reason for us not to retire, to keep being on boards, <laughs> committees, pressing to understand how laws are made. Um, and using, yeah. you know, now thinking about the beauty of, of our brains, that there are all these new pathways. Uh, my, my daughter said to me, I was, like you were talking about learning French, and I was saying, you know, maybe I'd learn French. And she said, well, you don't have to worry about getting Alzheimer's because every time you learn something new, your brain learns new pathways. So, mm-hmm. you know, Alzheimer's would get lost trying to find all these pathways that your mind goes in. But learning a language, a new language, doing puzzles, um, music, are among the things listed as ways yeah. that are that keep levels of dementia at bay it just and so thinking about how people make assumptions when you were talking about innocence it made me think of another area that is a myth that seniors aren't interested in sex a 2017 university of michigan national poll on healthy aging showed that 65 percent of respondents ages 50 through 80 were interested in sex. 76% agreed that sex is an important part of a romantic relationship at any age, and 40% indicated they were still sexually active. But a lot of people, when you go to the doctor, they will answer, and actually in the, in the negative, they'll say, well, you aren't still having sex, are you? And I thought, <laughs> what a ridiculous assumption, because it really... <laughs> It takes away. Uh, I worked a lot with people with, I mean, with uh, HIV prevention and things that doctors should ask people. And so, some people, if a person was a teacher, if they were in a particular religion, they would say, 
Oh, you aren't having sex. So the questions that they should have or the offering for HIV test or other things, they weren't done because when you ask a person something in the negative, then it makes the person feel like, oh, well, I must be That's bad. That's what saying. <laughs> Uh, but that that innocence of presumption that there are again some assisted living facilities and some skilled nursing facilities have got serious prohibitions against sex. Mm-hmm. They are even somewhere married couple are not put in the same room. They have them in two separate rooms within the facility, and mm-hmm. so it's an area for advocacy. I, I went to uh, do a nutrition visit at a skill facility and there was a big commotion going on and an older woman who they said had one level of dementia but she was found in the bed of an older an older man the next morning and they were it it was bedlam you know they were were (laughs) calling the family and telling them they were going to put her out and they said is the older man okay he's okay she's okay (laughs) they don't even so but these prejudices are ideas you know, that somewhere there's this myth that either it's something that either you aren't interested in doing or shouldn't be doing once you reach a certain age. I think that's part of, you know, there's a tendency to want to treat old people as if they're children. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's part and parcel of that. I like the saying that says, uh, I'm not as good as I once was, <laughs> but I'm... Uh, what is it? I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm good once. <laughs> I can't remember the saying now. <laughs> I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm good once as I ever was. Hey, all, I have to leave now. Uh, I've got another call, and my mom needs to have her tea. So uh, I wish you all a dear. All right. Well, I hope you got some fertile thoughts for your 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 thesis work. <laughs> I actually did. I was just about to say that, and it gave me an idea for bringing something to class next week. This class being uh, hmm. uh, the Power by Age class here. So, um, yeah, the Frankel stuff got got, got me thinking yeah. about. That. So, stay yeah. tuned, and I'll be back. Okay. Great. Take care. Good Thanks. seeing you. Hi, Joe. Joel. Hi, Joel. Um, on that note, I need to. I want to say that I do have to leave a, a couple minutes before two, because I have to go on another Zoom. <laughs> people in Winnipeg. <laughs> Somebody, who was it that had that song that had Zoom? Was it the Commodores? There's a song that I just hear them saying Zoom. No, you know what it was? It was the Mazda Mazda car con, uh, advertising. <laughs> And, yeah. and there was a lot of complaints about it because they had this little kid who was probably maybe 10 or 11 saying zoom, 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 zoom. And it was all connected to the car and driving fast. Wow. So, yeah. um, so that's what I remember in terms of. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember that too. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a lot of our lives, but. But what did, did anyone else have any comments around that thought of uh, seniors aren't interested in sex or that they there aren't forums? It's almost like it's not polite conversation for older people. I think it depends what group of older people you're talking about. <laughs> I was going to say it's not unlike the conversation around death, right? Mm. I mean, those are two topics that 
you just don't talk about with people of our age. Really, they're taboo. I have a friend in Montreal who she runs a group called Talk About Death. Uh, and uh, she, she's a therapist of some sort, and and uh, I can't remember the name of her group though. But they it's they talk about death. It is they want to deal with the with the subject. Yeah, there has been a movement, and I don't quite remember either. But not not necessarily for just for older adults but for anybody of any age to bring the whole topic of death out of the closet and, mm. and put it on the table, um, which is very similar to talking about the issue of sex and any of those topics that, that people consider to be taboo. Because I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that talking about sex is, is taboo for, I mean, in our culture, uh, many things are taboo to talk about around sex. I mean, the whole issue of these days of sex education in schools, particularly around same-sex relationships or being gay or being lesbian and the whole issue of gender. I mean, it's like, no, 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 we can't talk about these things. Um, and it, it's sort of, I don't know, I was just thinking about the United States, and even here in Vancouver recently, the maskers and the anti-maskers, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. those there's right. those, those divisions that um, the, the, those divisions that are absolutely dreadful, uh, and and finding a bridge, how to find a bridge. So, I mean, I think even these podcasts that we're doing, hopefully, it's not only older adults that are listening, but people who are, who are not yet older adults. And as they say, they're practicing to be, or they're something along those lines. Cause I think, I think that there's so many myths about aging and there's so many things that it, it would be good for people who are younger, like in their forties and fifties, when I say younger, <laughs> um, to actually be able to explore and talk about as well. Yeah, you're right, because there's a group called the Sandwich Generation, and that's people that are in their 30s and 40s, and they've got children, and they've got older people that they make decisions for. And so the times where people, you know, something is ventured into sharing things, I find they're very interested, but just out and on itself, there really aren't a lot of conversations that help people in that group debunk some of the myths that they have because they will tend to make decisions for their parent in the same way that they'd make decisions for their eight-year-old. Yeah, for the, yes. And so, again, it's it's where we have to get out, you know, lace up our shoes. I would say, you know, we have to lace up our shoes and get back out into the basketball game of life and talk about these things, instigate conversations and stimulate conversations because it's important. I remember making a comment to Robin in the previous conversation about uh, uh, keeping young and keeping balance and so forth, because I I laugh every time I put my underwear on and I'm doing it standing up. I don't I don't get dressed <laughs> to keep my balance. I put my pants on standing up. 
and <laughs> as well as my underwear. That's, that's, uh, do, uh, do, that was a good suggestion, Robin, that you brought to, 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 to me. Because once you ask the question about how you keep your balance as you get older, <laughs> well, I put my pants on. <laughs> Standing up. I have that same concern. <laughs> And, and and do you do it on the balcony? <laughs> actually, actually, we got information from China through Michelle that um, when you come in from being out in the world, the best thing you can do is put your clothes out on the balcony. And so... I have put my, I've taken my pants off out on the balcony and I've put my pants on out, out on the balcony. But if you look out what's out there, the next, the next possible place that can see into the 19th floor where I live is several miles away. So I'm, I'm not the least bit concerned about offending the neighbors. <laughs> So I'm going to bow out and say, uh, nice, this, this was a great discussion. I, one of the things that I think I sent in an email to uh, Charlotte is th th these podcasts for me provide me with a space to have conversations mm -hmm. about topics and issues that that are deeper than how's the weather and and what what movie did you watch because it's something that that I really have missed in my life so thanks uh, thanks uh, Charlotte for organizing this and 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 hanging in there with us and, yeah. and helping us to have these kind of deeper conversations and discussions so thank you very much yeah. y'all next week Robin is going to be taking you to a deeper place next week. So tune in and call a friend. <laughs> I'll do my I, best. Uh, yeah, I'm also, um, I'm also excited uh, to know what it is that you would like to have deeper conversations about so that I can facilitate a, an exercise that, that we can really uh, get juicy about. Um, and so if you give that a little bit of thought and, and maybe want to share that with Charlotte, then she can share it with me or, or feel free to call me if you've got my, got my number. Um, and I can incorporate that um, because I, I want us to be talking about things that you want to talk about. Okay, well, I'm happy that we all got a chance to talk today and uh, we'll be able to do it again on another day. <laughs> So all of the people I feel, and I can't sing, but these things make me remember, you know, songs from uh, Mr. Rogers, you know, who are the people in your neighborhood and saying, won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> so take care. Thanks, Charlotte. You're welcome. Thank you, Judith. Thank you, Leslie. Yeah, thanks yeah, so much. Everybody. We'll see you again next week. For sure.